So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semicolon. Uh, death's door and other idioms. Woo! Woo, here we go. Take, I like idioms. Take two idioms are fun. and a half. Right, because <laughs> we've tried a few times to do this with the whole remote situation, and it has completely backfired. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm Ned, and you're Meg. And, That's right. Yep, and we're doing another episode. This is another attempt at the uh, social distancing remote working um, on the episode, since we don't live even in the same town. Um, right. Let alone in the same household. So uh what we're discussing today is idioms uh english idioms uh, uh m- maybe not obviously but that's what we'll be looking at at the, the i know one french idiom okay well <laughs> yeah so uh we'll, we'll get to that idi- later <laughs> idioms with an emphasis on english idioms um but here we go so uh and so how does this relate to design in your mind? I mean, I'm not saying that it has to, I'm just always curious. Like in theory, that's kind of the heading we've been going under. Um, most, most podcast hosting or hosting listing directories seem to push for categorization, like self categorization. So we've kind of right. ostensibly said we're doing art they f- and design. They force us to take a position on our own podcast. Yeah. So, um, you know, up until this point, we've been kind of leaning towards being like, Hey, we're doing, we're ostensibly, we're discussing design related issues. So, um, I guess, I don't think this has anything to do with design necessarily. I, I, at first I thought that as well, but the more I think about it, I think that, um, in the sense that understanding, like this is more about context, which we've discussed before. Hmm. Anytime you're kind of designing something, it's important to put it in context and idioms often are, um, a great way of understanding context or because they're, well, let's, I, I'll tell you what I mean as we discuss it. So why don't we, why don't you tell me what an idiom is? Okay. So, um, I went to our favorite place where I, if it's not on Wikipedia, I don't believe it at this point. Haha. <laughs> so, um, I, there's no wiki page about it, so it's gotta be a hoax. Right. Um, so I, I just started kind of fishing around there, um, cause it's such a great place to start looking for other resources. But the sure. definition that they gave is an idiom is a phrase or expression that typically, typically presents a figurative, non-literal meaning attached to the phrase, but some phrases become figurative idioms while retaining the literal meaning of the phrase. So, for example, um, <clears throat> uh, when you put all of your eggs in one basket, that's someone saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket is an idiom, um, which can be interpreted literally, like, don't do that, because if you drop your basket, you lose all of your eggs at once. Um, but it can also be applied in other settings um, to indicate the security or the alleged security that comes with diversification. So, for instance, um, don't put all of your money in one stock in the stock market. Don't 
don't shove all your cash in a mattress. Like, I don't sure. know. Yeah. You know? yeah <laughs> or I maybe mean, that- do shove all your cash in a mattress. I don't know at this point. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's often, I often think about that in terms of my own work, like contracting. Um, you know, I try not to have one client, have a couple, mm-hmm. diversify my income streams because one client that, you know, they have no obligation to me, whether, and I often think about clients, whether I'm, I'm full-time employed with them or I'm actually just a contract worker. Um, it really doesn't matter. There's no, there's no, there's perceived, um, perceived stability or security, job security. But the reality is, is that it's not there. Corporations fire people all the time for lots of ridiculous reasons. And, you know, mm-hmm. they have no, they have no loyalty to you. So, um, right. even though they often expect it in return. So it's a difficult, it's a difficult tightrope to walk as like an individual, but anyway, sure. um, I, I digress tangentially. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'll just, uh, throw this out there too. When it's, um, categorized as formulaic, formulaic language and idioms, figurative meaning is different from the literal meaning. So even though the phrase itself is identical and the words used are the same, when, when you're employing it literally or you're employing it figuratively, the meaning completely changes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, Idioms are found in all languages, it turns out, which I think is really interesting. I got, I got suspicious about that when I was doing a little preliminary research here. And, um, they occur frequently in all languages. And in English, there are an estimated 25,000 idiomatic expressions, but it's probably actually more than that. Um, that's pretty cool. Cause English is, English is hard to keep track of. So yeah, yeah yes. it's, it's something, there's something intrinsic to hu- the human condition or the way that humans use language or think about things that we employ idioms to make our point, whether literally or figuratively, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, one of the things about design is that you're often, when you're designing something, it's about communicating with uh, a target audience or, you know, communicating mm-hmm. the intent of whatever you're designing. Um, and idioms are part of communication and it's a good place to have some understanding because, um, things can have multiple meanings and idioms are a very good example of that where, um, sometimes they're kind of almost a metaphor, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that's strongly used in design oftentimes, um, especially like user interface designs. There's oftentimes metaphors in place to like imply some purpose or meaning or functionality. So anyway, yeah. um, that's one way that I would kind of tie this into the concept of design. Like when you're thinking about designing either, um, user interfaces or you're just working on a piece of art or you're working on, um, some product or you're just kind of designing your own life, um, understanding context and then also understanding how you might be communicating meaning through your creation, um, is important and idioms are certainly a big part of communication in the English language. Cause there's, as we've been re- researching this and discussing it, I started to become aware of idioms that I use without mm-hmm. even thinking of them as an idiom. Yes. So, um, me too. Yeah. And so I thought that was very fascinating. Um, 
if you don't want to be a complete and thorough asshole when you're designing something, if you give a shit at all about design ethics, you bear a responsibility, a moral responsibility to understand the people that you're designing for. And idiomatic language is very helpful to convey meaning without it having to be literal. Um, in other words, if you can use an idiom that somebody understands, they can get the gist of what you're saying and apply that to a novel situation that maybe isn't so obvious. Um, and so if you, if you're actually willing to pay attention to people and design something for them that's good, then idioms could be super helpful for understanding the sort of thinking that's at work from the people that you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, so it is design related. This is totally design related. Right. Also, I want to say that um, one of the best podcasts ever on the internet was Professor Blastoff, which was highly ranked and rated as the best science podcast on the internet many years in a row. And in fact, very often had very little to do with science. Yes, I'm, I am. Um... I don't disagree with you. In our defense. In our defense, yes. Uh, anyway, um, well, let's just get yeah. on with it, and we'll keep doing our thing. And if we have to change categories, I don't really care, because that, that shit doesn't matter to me. Um, we're not getting paid to do this, and I don't know that we ever will. So uh, hopefully right. everyone who's uh, listening to this is here for the enjoyment of it, and they're not too worried about what we're, uh, what we're actually talking about. Well, they're enjoying <laughs> what we're talking about and they're not too worried whether we fit the particular category or not. So, um, let's move on to actually talk about some particular idioms that we found fascinating. Um, so the first one on your list, Our favorite idiom. Yeah. Your favorite idiom. Well, why don't you say it then? Um, the cat's out of the bag, which is used in English and in Dutch and in German. Um, it's a common, common idiom that transcends nationality and languages. Um, it has its origins in one of two potential places, but it's more likely that it's one and not the other. Um, so some people have surmised, and there is um, like historical chronological support for this, maybe, but some people have theorized that uh, the cat's out of the bag refers to um, a punishment where the cat of nine tails is taken out of a bag before you whip somebody with it uh -huh. as a punishment. Um, cat of nine tails used out of a current BDSM context was a weapon used for punishment, like a torture device that they used on sailing ships a lot. But that, while salacious, is not probably the actual source of the idiom. It's more likely that um, the cat's out of the bag serves as both a literal literal and figurative idiom, the literal part coming from um, the possibility of its origin as an expression that indicates that somebody has been swindled. So for instance, people would go to the market and they would want to buy a piglet to take home and raise, you know, and farm with and make food out of. And so they would buy the piglet at the market in a bag and they would take it home and they would open the bag and there would be a kitten or kittens inside and the seller would have ripped off the buyer by making the seller think that they were getting piglets when in fact they sold them kittens. And so the cats out of the bag is the literal like, Oh, the surprise is out. The secrets out. It's you've been ripped off. Um, so the cat being out of the bag is figuratively representative of a secret being mm -hmm. exposed. 
Um, and, and that's probably where that came from, but I love cats. And so any cat in any bag, as long as it's not being down in a river or something uh-huh. terrible like that, I suppose that went, that got dark. That anyway, got dark. Well, uh, I love cats. I, <laughs> I, I'm remembering when I was a kid that someone had explained to me the meaning of cat out of cat, the cats out of the bag as this idea that as long as the cats in the bag, we're all fine and safe, but as soon as you let it out, it's like a holy terror because it's so pissed off from being in the bag. And now I'm just like, <laughs> this is such a terrible interpretation of like someone just kind of decided to make up on the spot, like what it actually meant to them because they never, never bothered to like get clarity on it. And then they pass yeah. that on to me. And I'm just thinking like, um, I mean, obviously I was, uh, I was, um, I fixed that interpretation pretty early on because I, I'm just now remembering that that was a particular interpretation that I had based on someone else telling me that, um, what was meant by the cats out of the bag. And, uh, you know, the idea that it's like, you've got a pissed off cat in a bag and you don't want to let it out (laughs) because if you do, it's going to be real pissed off. Um, I knew someone who got trapped by a very pissed off cat. So I have like a, I have a real vivid image in my head of a friend being trapped in a bathroom with children she was babysitting while a cat stalked them outside yeah i mean it's like a pissed off cat like you can understand if you've ever encountered like a really upset cat (laughs) that um that there is some there's some reality to that right like it's not it's not beyond the realm of possibility um Anyway, so I just thought that was uh, that's a funny memory. The cat's so. out of the bag. We're all going to die. Right. <laughs> that is funny. I like that interpretation too. I think that one could actually potentially catch on. I yeah, it's not it's not a terrible like uh what is it where you kind of back you like retell the history of something or you kind of uh anyway. Revisionist? Yeah, revisionist. Mm-hmm. It's not a terrible revision. Yeah. So, um Right. Yeah. Um, we also, <laughs> funny enough, put two hat-related idioms on our list. Um, I like at the drop of a hat. Yes. As in, like, you'll do something immediately, as soon as needed, at the drop of a hat. But I don't understand, and I, I didn't really honestly bother to research well, this Well, so I do did. know, um, I, and I'm looking at the um, Wikipedia entry, which doesn't have citations, but I do think this is fairly well understood that... Um, uh, like basically making a downward motion with a cap was often indicating the start of a race or some kind of competition. Ah! And so the drop of a hat was often like, you know, the idea of um, the downbeat the or the start of, of something, um, the quick, you know, but the idea basically being that it's something that happens very quickly or instantly. Um, I see. Oftentimes. That makes me think of like, you know, the movie Grease where like, the ladies in the tight capri pants and the boob sweaters with the like scarves around their necks wave the scarf to start the hot rod race. And the, the same kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, Got it. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And then so my my favorite hat related idiom is hat on a hat, which to me is just a hilarious image in your mind and also just kind of absurd. Um, yes. And this one comes from, um, I'm actually not sure. I'm, I'm trying to find, uh, some reference. I think there's, uh, I, here we go. the first time I ever heard hat on a hat was from you. And it was like a year ago. I, 
I, yeah, I couldn't believe that you had not even heard that. Um, I was so confused by the image, too. I was like, what? Like, what? I mean, it obviously, it's confusing. That's the point. Like, a hat on a hat is pointless. Like, you've already got a hat. You don't need a hat on top of a hat. But the absurdity of it, like, yeah. totally captivated me. And I couldn't figure out at first, like, a what? And, and you told me. And then I forgot. And then you said it again. And I had to remember, like, what does that mean again? <laughs> Yeah. But now I know. Yeah. So, um, hat on a hat is, man, there is not a Wikipedia reference to it, um, which is interesting. Um, and That's I, bizarre. The little research that I've done has not shown much history for this. But hat on a hat um, is definitely the idea being that, you know, it's re- like redundancy, right? Like absurd yes. redundancy as opposed to redundancy that makes sense. Um Right. You know, redundancy in the sense of like, hey, we have redundant systems so that there's a backup if one fails, but a hat on a hat, it, it's sort of the redundant system of the hat sitting on top of the hat is that if the bottom hat fails, i.e. falls off your head, so does the other one. Um, you know, it's, there's just, <laughs> right. it's, a, it's a really great sort of metaphor <laughs> for when, when redundancy is, is done poorly. Um, but it's also just kind of hilarious hat on a hat. And I recently watched that new version of um, Emma in the movie theaters, and um, yes, the one with uh, uh, who is the new the new star. She's uh, let me just look it up here so we don't lead people astray. So, um, <laughs> was it Ann Taylor? I think that's a fashion designer. Ann Taylor. Oh, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Johnny ah. Flynn, Mia Goth. Um, you know, tons of Bill, Bill Nighy. Um, right. Gemma Whelan, 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 I think. Hmm. And you enjoyed I, the movie? I did enjoy it. Um, it was definitely slower pacing than the evening had started out. So it was kind of a drastic downshift from where we were going um prior but <laughs> but totally fine um i enjoyed it are you are you saying that jane austen is a downer because there's going to be some very mellow angry ladies at you it was not it was not a downer um what it was was a shift from a very like i i had gone out to dinner with a friend of mine um just before i was leaving germany and and we'd planned to go see a like a sneak preview and so you don't know what you're gonna see they just kind of you just show up and you don't know what you're going to get to see. And so we'd, we'd kind of gotten into a very long personal story um, together. And we were kind of like really spent like dinner was like a very um, lively and exciting conversation. And then we got to the movie theater and we were still like just getting into the peak of the conversation and getting to the interesting part of my story that she was really interested in. And then the movie started and we had to kind of downshift into paying attention to this movie and what was generally like not nearly as exciting as the sort of personal exchange that we were having, um, which is, right. you know, that happens for lots of reasons. It's not the movie's fault. The movie was um, the point about the story about hat on a hat was that <laughs> in the movie they were showing lots of period, you know, it's period sets with period, period costumes and um, they really make a point of almost mocking the style like not the style but just the absurdity of some things and there were lots of these like low-key sort of mocking moments where um it seems like almost lost on people but there was two moments that really stuck out in my mind there were lots of moments where people were wearing coats on a coat 
which was just kind of hilarious <laughs> to me because it's like you have your, you know, you have your dinner jacket or whatever, and then you have a coat that you put on top of that. Um, and I'm not talking about like, like a heavier coat that goes on top of, you know, modern suit jackets or something or sports coats. I'm talking much more in terms of like, you know, having a fairly heavy coat that then a much larger, heavier coat is piled on top of to go outside. And I, it, it makes sense in the context of they didn't have heating the way we do now. And it's very cold in England and all of those things. But it's just a funny to me because then later there's this scene where the main character, Emma, is um, comes inside and takes her shoes off and she has other shoes under her shoes. And I'm not talking about <laughs> wearing like, you know, rubber outsole boots or something or like galoshes or whatever or having, um, you know, like protective outerwear. It was just like there's some shoes she's wearing and then she takes them off and underneath are some other shoes. And then she then runs back outside at some point, like, you know, has some little dialogue and some like meaningful moment and then leaves the house to go outside with the undershoes on. And so I'm like, well, clearly those uh-huh. are serviceable shoes. What is, and so that's when I, at that moment I was like, the only thing this movie needs is a hat on a hat, which it never delivers, which um I, that's why I'm disappointed with that movie, to be honest. Or maybe that was intentional, you know, artistic license by the director or, you know, some something. I don't know. But it was uh, – or the costume designer. Who knows? <laughs> but Total missed opportunity. But yes. Um, or perhaps that's what they were saying is that th- this whole movie was a hat on a hat. I mean, how many times have they done Emma now? At least twice, right? Um, yeah. And the first time – I swear to you, the only thing I remember – about the Emma that I saw maybe 20 years ago or something was um, Gwyneth Paltrow wearing all of these costumes and like none of them fit her well. Mm -hmm. So I have costume and wardrobe complaints about both Emmas now, I guess. The first one was like, wow, you did a terrible job fitting these actors for these clothes, especially considering that it looked like a fairly big budget movie. And then, like, now this one, the lack of a hat on a hat. I mean, really. <laughs> just disappointments abound. That's right. Emma should just be renamed Jane Austen's Disappointment. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I, I do recommend if you like Bill Nighy and you don't mind a little bit of a slow burner. Um, it was definitely, I, I was entertained. Uh, but the the drastic downshift in conversation pacing and and all of that was Mm -hmm. um the shocking part not so much the actual movie um so uh yeah hat on a hat that's uh that's my most recent experience with that um so this next one is kind of a classic one i think i use this occasionally but sitting on the fence Uh yeah or just saying i'm on the fence about something yeah is super common. I'm on the fence about that. Um, do you want to hear that? So yes. most things create images in my head. Uh-huh. Um, and some of them are particularly absurd. And some of them are just kind of like straightforward or actual like memories that I have that pertain to a topic. So this one is kind of both. Um, when I was growing up, I had a friend who lived one block away on the next north-south street over. I lived on Winslow. She lived on Bidwell. And to get to each other's houses, we would cut through the block in between us and go through people's backyards to um, get out to the other street. As one does. 
As one does, yeah. And I remember one of the neighbors always like, my backyard's not a railroad for you kids. And so we would always run through, like, the key was to get going at top sprint speed when you made it to their yard, because then even if they saw you, they couldn't catch up to you. So um, <laughs> anyway, my friend Aaron's mom, Celeste, used to say, well, if you sit on the fence too long, your crotch is going to get sore. <laughs> Which is obviously, like... A super vivid image sure. and serves as uh, a, a, an an idiom about choosing sides or making a decision, but also is like has just got that little bit of like trashy oomph to it, where you're now picturing somebody sitting on a fence and like their crotch, whichever, uh-huh. whichever uh, biological iteration or or whatever that that may. Be I don't, it would be uncomfortable for anybody is my point. Yes. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, because of like how we grew up and because of the people involved in this story and because of the geography and everything, I now think anytime someone says I'm on the fence about that, I think of someone in like frayed, super short, cut off jean shorts, which was like a thing at the time. Yeah, um, sitting on a fence until their crotch gets sore, and it's always the fence in the backyard of the yards that we ran through to get to each other's houses. So it's like a mixture of things that never happened that I'm conjuring in my mind, and also things that did happen, like short shorts and fences. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and so when people say it to me, I'm just like, ah, like I just see this <laughs> trashy image in my mind of like <laughs> sore crotches on fence. fences. Yes, it's so gross. It's such a personally gross one. Uh-huh. Um, so I included that on here because it's such a that's great. Such a if not relatable, vivid image. Yeah, yeah, I, I like uh-huh. that. That's pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah, um, we also um, we also have a couple of uh, the next two in the list are um, cake or food related. I guess cake related. Yes. Yeah, cake related specifically. Um, I, mm-hmm. I mean, piece of cake. I think I use occasionally. Um, oh, I do too, for sure. Yeah, without even thinking about it. Um, and that one, I mean, most people are probably pretty familiar with piece of cake. Uh, and this one actually had an interesting um, history to it, which was that uh, what I read was that it had more to do with. Um, or its origin was sort of 1930s um, American English, which was possibly f- derived from um, cakewalks. And uh, and then, or a cakewalk being basically, you know, derived from the, the idiom, it's a cakewalk, which is to say yeah. that, um, you know, a cakewalk is oftentimes just a matter of you just stand up and you walk until you end up with a cake um, you get a cake get everyone a cake. Gets everyone a cake. goes home with a cake it's just which one do you go home with and uh right. um and so i think it it was just kind of interesting that it was um you know basically cake being easy to consume and and all of that you know makes sense but piece of cake basically implying that it's a, a joy to mm-hmm. it's an activity that's both pleasant and easy or simple. Yeah. Um, I think I've said, I, I'm pretty sure in fact that when I say anything cake related yeah. idiomatically, it's usually cake walk as opposed to piece of cake. Now that I think about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, be a cake walk, right? I'm not usually implying so much that it will be fun as it will just be so easy. Um, easy. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. 
wow, that's, I didn't really, you know, I hadn't really thought about that because piece of cake is the more common one that's used, but I think I definitely use cakewalk instead of piece of cake more frequently. Sure, sure. Um, I also included on here, let them eat cake, which was famously spoken by Marie Antoinette before they chopped her head off. And I thought that was really interesting because in that specific instance, cake does not refer to a piece of cake or cake that you get in a cakewalk or something that's enjoyable. Cake refers to the leftover crust that's stuck to the pan that you cake or you bake a cake in. Oh, interesting. Um, And so basically when she was told, you know, like people are dying and like, you're going to, you're going to lose your life if you don't support French citizens or whatever, however they phrased it at the time. Yeah. Um, she was like, well, let them eat cake. Like, why can't they just eat what's left over from the rest of us? And that's why they cut her head off. (laughs) That's pretty good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let them eat cake. Yeah. Uh, which that one is sort of something that, um, it probably, it had a more literal, like it was literal in the past, but now a literal Mm -hmm. interpretation of it might seem, um, nicer than it actually is. Like let them eat cake today might be much more like, Oh, Hey, like everybody eat cake as opposed to let them eat the table scraps, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. The burnt on. Yeah crusty crap left behind the heel of the yeah yeah Uh, um (laughs) yeah so (laughs) i um so i really like this next one uh because of the context of how this came up um and i Uh i kind of want to let you tell it because you were there and you experienced it so okay so i was um chatting with a friend of mine about about this particular podcast that we were planning to record um because she mentioned that she found uh, one of our other podcast episodes, how to do a thing so no one ever asks you to do it again, particularly inspiring. And so we were sort of laughing over that. Uh Um, And I said, well, here, here's an opportunity for you to contribute to the next one that we're planning. Um, Do you have any favorite idioms? And she and I are both kind of language nutso. Like we both love to read and we both love language usage and studying language. And so um, I asked her if she would like to contribute any of her favorite idioms to this episode and she uh she gave me some feedback and then asked her husband if he could think of anything that he would like to uh submit as a a favorable idiom and he said unironically totally unconscious of the humor uh of the statement not off the top of my head (laughs) which is itself an idiom (laughs) yeah that is really good um and i really like that story and that's something um i the thing I like about it is it's exactly the kind of um, I, it's not really a trap so much. It's, it's exactly the situation that I would find myself in. It's exactly yeah. what I would do. I would just be like very unironically unaware. Well, I can't think of any idioms using an idiom to right. express that, not even thinking consciously about it. Um, <laughs> right. You know, that's, I mean, that's really, that's really fascinating to me that like, we use idioms as a sort of prepackaged, like you don't think about the individual words that you're saying when you construct an idiomatic sentence. You just say it as a complete thought, right? Yeah. Yep. It's like a package deal. Right. Right. Which is super funny because usually when I'm thinking about what I want to convey to you, I'm actually thinking about like this concept followed by this concept followed by this concept. And then I string those together with letters and words into a sentence. But when I think of idiomatic language, I just, it just all comes out at once. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost a, it's, it's an entire meaning in a, 
in a word in itself, right? Even though it's actually a sentence or a, a phrase. Yeah, it's like a prepackaged phrase. Like yeah. it doesn't make sense if you idioms don't make any sense if you break them up. Or it's uh, what's delightful is when you speak to other people who um, either just mistakenly fumble an idiom or mix their metaphors or are you know like English language learners mix metaphors and idioms all the oh, time, yes. which is delightful. Yeah, it's a delightful effect. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Right, because it's sort of like. It, Oftentimes, especially when you're um, talking to like English language learners uh, and they like what is unfortunate is I think oftentimes they perceive it as embarrassing for them, but oftentimes it's much more embarrassing for the language. Yes. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Um, Then it has anything to do with them. It's like, okay, so we taught you all the rules and you're being very meticulous about following the rules, which has led you Uh down this path to this point where you're saying something that has an entirely different meaning than what you're intending it to. And that is absolutely not your fault. That is the embarrassment of the language falling apart for you and failing to meet your, you know, your well-studied expression. Um, I wish I had examples of these, but perhaps maybe we can try and collect them and put a a podcast together at some point. Um, That would be a, that would be a fun project. I I knew a lady who was, um, a music teacher and she was Brazilian and she used to like outside of the music school, there were, um, it was in a downtown area. So there were metered parking everywhere and she would have to run out and feed the meter so that her car wouldn't get ticketed. But she always would say, I have to go feed the coin. And I was like, feed the coin into the meter, (laughs) 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 feed the meter with the coin, feed the meter. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Um, the first time she said it, I was like, you have to do what? You have to, that's well, a, who do you have to feed? But that's kind of a perfect example, right? I mean, there's not, that's not, uh, you can understand why someone arrived at that. Yes. Yeah. It makes, it makes sense. I mean, all of the correct images are there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, well, uh, yeah, uh, just, this next one, I think I've used occasionally. Um, it's not my favorite just because of the implications of it, but um, killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is um, oftentimes I hear other people say this quite a bit. Um, and I I think mostly it's just sort of like... Um, it's just kind of very an aggressive image, right? It's like, uh, yes, it, it kind of also goes well with the, um, you know, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush of the idea. Right. Of like, assuming you, assuming you're thinking about the right bush. Yeah. Um, and, and we're kind of, we're kind of also talking about, um, another one that dovetails with, or that is similar meaning is oftentimes like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, two birds with one stone uh, basically means to solve mul- usually two problems, but multiple problems with a single action or a single solution. Um, right. And uh, it's, I can't seem to, Wikipedia doesn't seem to have any real history um, or like etymology on this particular one. Um but yeah, that's a bizarre. I mean, like, are we talking about using a slingshot here? Like, how would a stone ricochet off one bird and kill another? I don't understand. I I, I don't know. 
Um, I mean, you just have a really big rock and really small birds. Who knows? I'm sorry, stone. Um, I, now I'm thinking of someone like dropping a piano-shaped stone out of a window onto a tiny bird cage full of birds. Yeah. Interestingly, though, Wikipedia, um, and I would recommend if people are interested in this, looking at the article in Wikipedia, there's a long list of translations um, mm. of solve two problems at once. Um, I don't know if these are also idioms or whether someone just decided that they were going to go through and, and uh, make translations for them. But um, we won't get too into that. Anyway, uh, kill two birds with one stone. That one is uh, it's it's a weird one. I mean, definitely. Um, but it's common because of the fact that we're often looking for that kind of efficiency of like solving many problems, multiple problems with a single solution, um, mm-hmm. which yeah um it's also like a great feeling too when you're kind of like faced with like a myriad of problems and all of a sudden you're like i have the single solution to this like we're just gonna do this right. like i'm just gonna throw the computer out the window and then we won't have that problem anymore uh, <laughs> so yeah i think uh like killing two birds with one stone is um there's like all kinds of weird killing ones like two more than one way to skin a cat is like there's more than one way to solve a problem or there's more than one right answer but i don't know why why you'd want to say that (laughs) i i mean there's lots of reasons i suppose i mean there's um you're kind of it's like i i think it's sort of just shocking right yeah. It's just sort of a way to like conjure a shocking image with a very like common idiom. And so people are kind of, um, you know, you can get away with it. Right. Like the response to there's more than one way to skin a cat is, uh, oh, yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way. Instead of sociopath. Right. Who's skinning cats? No one's skinning cats. Who's skinning cats? Yeah. Are you skinning cats? Right. Don't skin cats. Um. <laughs> The next one you put on the list, um, I thought was funny because when we initially talked about it, it turns out that like you and I both thought about it very differently or you had been told it was yes. interpreted one way when it's totally not. Um, so, uh, number nine on our list is bump on a log. Yeah. So this one, um, I, this was often told to me in the context of when I was growing up and I was struggling in school, which was, you know, hundred percent of the time. Um, mm-hmm. and it's I, like the way it was explained to me was that it was this, like, you don't want to, you want to go with the flow being a bump on the log disrupts the flow somehow, or somehow it was like, it was just poorly explained to me. And I was like, I don't understand why, w- what you mean here? Like what's going on? Right. How is this a, how is this as, you know, helping supposed to help me out? But it was oftentimes it was like, said to me in the context of like, I just don't understand why you don't get along. Well, yeah, because the way that the way that you're describing it, I think it's synonymous with don't rock the boat, which is another idiom. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was um, oftentimes, like, yeah, don't rock the boat. Don't cause turbulence. But for there to be turbulence from a bump on a log, the log would have to be in the river or something like that. And water would have to be flowing over it, yeah. which is like not the point of a boat. Like, that's just totally misuse of that idiom it doesn't make any sense the way that it was weaponized against me by my parents Mm -hmm. was um to we were accused of being bumps on logs when we were being couch potatoes or lazy or just a thing that sits there doing nothing ah gotcha yep 
Um, if the fact that a bump on a log is like uh, inanimate makes me question. I mean, we obviously both disagree with the like don't cause turbulence and the bump on a log idiom, but yeah. like it's the opposite of something that causes turbulence. Yeah, right. It's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the totally wrong metaphor. Oh well. Anyway, oh, well, yeah. Or idiom. Yeah. Um, I that cracked me. Yeah, up. It, it is pretty funny, and uh, the whole thing about. Uh, I mean, also just being like listless and useless as a, like, like a bump mm-hmm. on a log is a similar description. I, I just don't know. Uh, if you were going to call somebody a bump on a log, what would be the context in which you would accuse them of never, never being? because it was so upsetting to me when I was a kid that I was just like, I'm never saying that to somebody. That's just a shitty thing to say to somebody. But, um, <laughs> if I were forced to do that, um, I guess I would, I mean, now that we've had this conversation, I obviously would use it more in the terms of like, you know, if you're just kind of sitting around all day, like don't be a bump on a log, like, you know, get up and do something. Yeah. 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 I, like couch potato is couch also potato. an idiom. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, which I, I love the couch potato idiom because of the, just sort of the imagery that goes along with it and the, um, like how comforting potatoes are to some people just in general. Like it's a comfort, like there's so much about that that just implies like, I'm just going to be a potato on the couch. I'm going to have a blanket. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit there and watch TV or whatever it is or read a book. It's going (laughs) to be great. Call me a couch potato extraordinaire. Yep, I'm moving in. This is my, this is my life now. Um, I'm more of like a, a sunny lawn chair potato. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a that's like, potato. yeah, sunburnt potato, oven roasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's perfect. Probably a pan fried um, potato myself, but yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Or like, you're like a steamed potato. We could both be steamed potatoes or boiled potatoes because sure. we both love. Yeah. Those. I was thinking of the pan fried potato because of the idiom of like out of the frying pan and into the fire is just seems to be oh. like my life in general is it's like, oh, like I'm uncomfortable here. So I'm going to move. Okay. Now it's worse. And now I can't go back. Yes. Just constantly like moving progressively from like one worse situation to a much worse situation. Um <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. I always liked the out of the frying pan into the fire because I can't, uh, I picture somebody who's small enough to fit into a frying pan. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Which either means they're, and it's always a cast iron skillet too, the frying pan. Yeah. Um, and so it's either a tiny person in a giant frying pan, one or the other, or, or I think of like, you know, when you put the, the weird thing about boiling frogs in water slowly so Uh, that they don't jump out. I see like a frog in a frying pan jumping into a fire too. Yeah. It's, either way, it's I often, disturbing. I oftentimes picture, um, I can't remember what, you know, who knows what episode it is, but I imagine like, uh, you know, some episode of Looney Tunes where there are characters sitting in a boiling pot over an open fire, right? Like that kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, and getting out of the pot and choosing to stand in the fire rather than just stepping away from the whole thing. So you made it out of the pot and then you just stopped? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. So then let's move on to um, a slightly more violent metaphor, which was often said to me as a kid when I would say I was hungry. 
is that um, I would be offered oh, a knuckle sandwich, God. which now to put this in context, um, that wasn't a threat of violence. Usually it was just sort of like a bad dad joke, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it's got sandwich in the, in the name, so it must be edible, right? <laughs> she like a knuckle sandwich. Uh, um, I don't think you know what a knuckle sandwich is. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Um, God. Yeah. So ridiculous. That I knuckle sandwich and my late edition below knuckle sandwich is punch your lights out, which is kind of like the same thing or like in the movie, in the movie and the book, uh, fight club at one point, the main character, Jack says like next person out of this door is going to get a lead salad, (laughs) meaning he was going to shoot the next person. Right. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So violent. So violent. So many violent idioms. I wonder, like, percentage-wise, how many idioms are about food? Because we've gotten a lot of those. Yeah. Really, without even trying. I'm just noticing a trend here. Um, And also, like, violence. Yeah. Yeah, food, violence. Um, I mean, oftentimes, they're... (laughs) I... These things, I think oftentimes, like, they're ways to, like, sort of gloss over the violence of something like i was thinking about mm-hmm. um i i recently was watching through all the episodes of uh metal apocalypse metal apocalypse um yes metal uh, apocalypse metal metal apocalypse metal apocalypse yeah. yeah um which is a hilarious hilarious cartoon and it's so good there's an episode where the band death clock which is the uh the main character band or what the mm-hmm. what the what the show is all about? They're yeah um, a, a a quintet yeah, named yes Death Clock. Their manager slash lawyer slash CFO um, is telling them that they need to go to the doctor to get their annual checkups and basically get healthy so that they don't die. And they won't let him. Mm-hmm. They, he won't, they won't let him say the word death or die, um, which is hilarious <laughs> in the context of the show because a black metal band yeah black metal band where everything is death like their name is death clock and all the episodes are named death this and death that and and it's just this like gory exploration of like you know senseless violence and death and um but it's hilarious it's hilarious in the context of that but the funny thing is so they won't let him say that so they they make him say the word hamburger time to refer to the act of dying or being dead and so um It just becomes this hilarious thing where he's he's saying all these things and then saying the word or the phrase hamburger time. Anyway, um, you make him jump through so many hoops. God, that show is so good. Yeah. If you haven't seen Metal Apocalypse, you have to watch it. It's like, and the the band is like the twelfth largest economy on the face of the planet. Like they they have as much money as the state of California. Yeah, they're basically it's it's hilarious how uh, yeah I and they have all this undue influence, but all they want to do is play metal music yeah and they're just like they're just <laughs> total terrible people um in their own like way and they're they're definitely interesting characters they explore all the char- all the band members and their character flaws and things it's it's great um so uh <laughs> yeah anyway um yeah covering up covering up something like more macabre with a sort of funny phrase like knuckle sandwich or punch your lights out or the the um my other phrase that I don't hear very often, but is funny to me is the idea of using the phrase fix their clock. Like I'm going to fix his clock as in threatening to cause bodily harm against somebody because I'm going to, um, 
you know, fix their clock, whatever the hell that means. Um, Is fix their clocks, does that specifically refer again to like punching somebody in the face, like punch your lights out, knuckle sandwich, fix their clock? So I actually, I'm going to try and see if I can find... um, Maybe I'm overthinking this, but when I think of clock, it makes me think of like, if you're going to fix the clock, you're going to like rearrange the clock face. So is it like you're going to rearrange someone's face? That's another idiom too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't even find a clean one's clock. That's oftentimes, Ah! um, the more normal, uh, so, okay. So in American English to, to clean someone's clock means to trounce one's opponent in a game. Um, oh. So I don't, the one that huh. I'm referring to, I it was just something that was said to me a lot when I was, not a lot when I was a kid, but it was, I do remember it being like sort of, I don't know. It's just sort of deep down in the memory somewhere there. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah. Clean, one, clean, clean one's clock is possibly that source i'm not finding a lot of references to it but let's see um yeah googling it basically is a lot of people talking about actually fixing clocks so um anyway uh yeah i'm gonna clean their clock is oftentimes uh, like i i guess it's sort of just like competitive aggression right like it's just sort of yeah um yeah but this next one, uh, which I'll let you you say, but uh, I find so just- there's there's kind of like I I lumped together three variations on the same one kind of um, so the idiom is screw the pooch yes or fuck the dog or shit the bed and so these three kind of like go together but also don't and um, I. Why I say that is when we started discussing this, I always felt like shitting the bed, like the phrase don't shit the bed or don't fuck the dog means don't screw up. Right. 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 But when we were reviewing this, you also included or had the the thought to include screw the pooch slash fuck the dog. But your your interpretation of it was slightly different from mine, wasn't it? I I what don't remember you? now. I feel um some screwing the pooch I think was something about like wasting time or like it no, wasn't that specifically was, about fucking same, something up. We had the same interpretation. Um what it oh. was was that on Wikipedia, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, so yes, the Wikipedia etymology from 1950s mm-hmm. from earlier fuck the dog was to fritter or waste time. That was both you and I thought about much more in terms of like making mistakes. Um, yes, yes, because I think screwing the dog would be a terrible mistake. First which, of all, I don't like. Yeah, I. But it does in the etymology. It does suggest that um, the later sense of make an embarrassing mistake uh, uh-huh. is from later. Um, later things like there was a movie the right stuff in 1979 um and another film at adaptation yeah. the right stuff in 1983 where it was popularized by use by uh tom wolf and so um yeah. that may be that may be why it became you know why it became our common understanding of it versus the sort of 1950s earlier fuck the dog um yeah like if if i called somebody up and i was like 
what are you doing? And they said, oh, just fucking the dog. I'd be like, what? <laughs> it would never occur to me right. that they meant, oh, I'm just killing time over here. I'm just wasting time. Yeah. Um, which is... Nobody wastes time that way. No. No, but I mean, I imagine it's just sort of... Um, oftentimes, I think there are some... In some cultures, uh, and I don't mean like swaths of humanity, much more like subcultures, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, collections of people who work in an industry or something. I think there's oftentimes... Um, a leaning towards vulgarity for the mundane just to kind of spice things yeah. up. Um, yes. You know, it's absurd to say, well, what are you doing? I oh, nothing. Just fucking the dog. Like, like, you know, you're not obviously, hopefully not fucking the dog, but, um, you know, I think the point is there. I could imagine, <laughs> I can imagine how that might come to pass. Um, there is a great uh, channel on YouTube that, um, this man is worth watching just to listen to his insane amount of vulgar idioms that are just delightful. Um, it's called AVE. It stands for Arduino versus evil. Um, he's a, he's basically, um, sort of a self-described, I guess, shade, shade tree mechanic. I mean, he actually works in a very heavy industry, probably mining or something, but he's a very brilliant man, uh, mechanically minded, does a lot of uh, engineering and, and electronic projects and, um, and mechanical projects and various machining projects. But he talks a lot about it, and his show's really great. Um, it's just sort of him just talking about things. But he yeah. is full of great idioms, um, and I definitely recommend people checking that out if they're if they're interested. But very vulgar, um, you know, no punches pulled on that front. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, interesting, interesting. Person. I'll have to watch um, that. It's Arduino yeah. versus what? Ar- Arduino versus evil, but uh, AVE. AVE is the evil. Yeah. yeah. A- AVE, AVE is the YouTube channel. It's not actually like spelled out. It's just AVE is the YouTube channel. Um, anyway, gotcha. very, very entertaining. Um, very dry subject. I've probably watched him talk for hours about hydraulic pumps. Um, but because <laughs> that but beca- actually sounds really comforting. Yeah. But because of his, um, his sort of conversational style, it's, it's always very entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's see. So we got, uh, so then kind of, this is actually an interesting transition. So, you know, we're kind of moving away from the sort of violence based, um, idioms into <laughs> the meaning of this one is not necessarily violent, but the words are pretty violent, which is knocked up. Um, yeah. which is just, a, it, I've certainly, heard this used i know exactly what it means or at least i think i know what it means and i know what most people mean when they say it which is to say you mm-hmm, know become mm-hmm. pregnant or be having right. been you know been impregnated impregnated um it's funny to me that it does it does kind of imply like a i guess like we interpret it as implying a certain level of violence when you think about knocked because you think about like knocked around right yeah it's um, like that's a tough like if, but when things get knocked around it's they're being handled carelessly or right and i don't know um you know i don't know the origin of it enough to know uh you know if that was actually how it how it originated um knocked up is maybe my least favorite seth rogan movie oh really <laughs> yeah i think he's funny but i really hate that movie <laughs> yeah no that's fair um i don't 
I, I don't really remember that movie. I think I've seen it, but we, uh, yeah. Um, well, so I found the, uh, the Wikipedia articles. It's worse than Emma. It's worse than Emma. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Both of them. <laughs> I think, I think I remember watching that movie and just thinking like, nah, this isn't that great. I think there's maybe one funny scene. Is that the scene where at some point he shows up and all his roommates had like farted on each other's pillows. So they all gave each other pink eye. Oh God, I don't know. Maybe I blacked that part out. Yeah. Um, anyway, or didn't get to it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, uh, knocked up according to Wikipedia is sort of, uh, slang, sometimes offensive for being pregnant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, that's a weird one. I don't that- that idiom really pushes the envelope. (laughs) Speaking of idioms, um, push the envelopes. Interesting. So I think both of us kind of come from a place of like imagining it at an actual envelope that's being pushed around somehow. Although, (laughs) um, I think my, my mean, like my understanding of the meaning of it, which is what I do kind of conjure in my mind is that it oftentimes meaning it means to push outside of an envelope, not necessarily, um, using the term of like a paper envelope for delivery, but an envelope meaning some encapsulation of like some space that defines some parameters. So, um, right. And so the push the envelope, uh, I believe comes from, um, it's an engineering term typically. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh it's it's aerodynamics yes aerodynamics as you said aerosplane aerosplanodynamics aerosplanodynamics yeah aerosplanodynamics is what happens when you try to explain aerodynamics to people but you refuse to use the language of fluid dynamics yeah and so actually interestingly um this was popularized again by the same movie the right stuff from 1979 by tom wolf's the right stuff um and it was an engineering it's engineering tart jargon supposedly from the 1950s or as credited here on uh wikipedia again the etymology um with Mm. seems Mm -hmm. to be no citation for this particular one so if people are into editing wikipedia that would be a thing to go go attack um but yes you've also got go ahead uh that's interesting because that's like an idiom that comes from specific jargon yes yeah um yeah, pushing the envelope is definitely, um, but it is one that's sort of, uh, that one has a literal interpretation, right? I mean, they're talking about pushing the edges of, of some performance envelope that a particular aircraft has. Right. Um, so that's, that's a good one. Um, push the envelope. I don't use that very often, but I imagine I would at times in the right context. That's certainly something that's like readily available in my lexicon of idioms. Um, yeah. It also is in my mind, I've always lumped pushing the envelope with, um, like, uh, being really close to crossing a line. Yeah. Which is, which is exactly the, the, the meaning of it. Right. Yeah. Except that pushing the envelope is so much more a, a complicated thought or complicated concept with a lot going on in several dimensions, literally like in space. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas something like, you know, towing the line or something like that is like really straightforward. Anyway, I, uh, the, the point being that for me, push the envelope um, 
was a lot more complicated in idiom than I actually realized I gotcha. yeah. that I had been using it this whole time. Um, the next two that we have on the list I like because they're kind of uh, synonymous. Um, yeah. Shoot the Breeze and Chinwag. Um, Chinwag was not one that I was familiar with, but Shoot the Breeze is totally something that I've heard a million times. I think um, Chinwag I heard more recently in my life. I mean, I might have heard it when I was younger, but just like paid no attention to it. But Chinwag is pretty hilarious ah. to me. Um, I think maybe in the last like 10 years, it's kind of come into into my like consciousness recently. Um, uh-huh. But I do... I. It's funny to me because it just sort of... To me, it ties the sort of uh, the happiness of a dog wagging its tail in its sort of social context of like meeting another dog it's happy with or another person, and mm-hmm. and the sort of action of wagging your chin is a, just a absurd action that you really can't do. But it it um, it's funny to me. It just conjures a funny yeah. image to me. It's very kind of cartoonish and joyous. Um, totally. Yeah. Sh- shooting the breeze. I I've heard people use that before. I don't. I should say I don't care for it, not in the sense of like I don't like it. I just it doesn't mm-hmm. land for me in a meaningful way. Like it doesn't carry any extra meaning to me. Um or mm, weight. Yeah. That I wouldn't just say, yeah, we had a bit of a chat or, you know, we were I don't know. Kind of Well then you should take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Good one. Yes. Um take it with a grain of salt, I thought was actually really interesting when we were looking up um the meaning or the etymology of grain of salt. Um it had that kind of interesting uh, back history. Let me see if I can pull it up now. Um, let's see. I think I have it here. Yeah. Uh, this one. Uh, so the meaning uh, literally with a grain of salt figuratively with a bit of common sense. Um, and the. Uh, let me find the actual page. There's. There was a bigger one. Like I was like, oh, there's not really, but there's actually, um, where'd it go? Seem to find it now. Um, why isn't it? (laughs) A pinch of salt, maybe. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt or take it with a pinch of salt or. I, I've more commonly heard take it with a grain of salt myself, mm-hmm. but I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a whole thing about... It refers to... It's kind of like referring to healthy skepticism. Yes. Yeah. The idea is it's like, you know, this might this might make sense on face value, but, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Like, there's not a lot of backing to it necessarily. It's oftentimes the context that I find that in um Mm -hmm. oftentimes people say grain of salt when they're talking when they really what what they're implying is that this is a um a subjective observation or a subjective sort of statement yeah i yeah something that might be slightly less than factual yeah um or i've also heard it in, in relation to people passing on gossip yeah yep yeah yep um yeah, so I, my understanding is this was actually borrowed from Latin, um, which, uh, and now I can't find the article, but I do remember there was some, it kind of dates way back to the idea of some poisons 
being if you took them with a grain of salt, they would not be as poisonous or something. Um, uh, I don't remember exactly. There was some something, but it, you know, it was kind of literally to be taken with a grain of salt to help you know to help not make this as bitter or something like that or not as terrible. Um, a spoonful of sugar will help the medicine go down. Right, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, the other one that the other salt related one that we briefly discussed that I didn't actually put on the list was um, t- saying that someone's worth their weight in salt or worth their salt. Yeah. And uh, Ice Pick was kind enough to jump in and tell me, oh, that's because Roman soldiers used to get paid in salt. Yeah, that one was interesting. I, I also am just remembering one off the top of my head, which is oftentimes um, people will talk about salting the earth when they're basically destroying mm. the idea is that you're going to destroy the destroy the land or the the whatever the real estate is or whatever the the sort of ground is salt, that, so stuff won't grow yeah like yeah. you're salting there so stuff won't grow and the idea is like if you're in competition with somebody you might destroy some resource or something so that they may not make use of it like you destroy it for both of you but you know you're done with it and so you salt it i you know salting mm-hmm. the earth is it's a um, not commonly used, I don't think. I mean, also, I don't travel in circles where people are in the business of destroying resources that are either shared or available for other people. So, um, mm-hmm. there's also the salt of the earth. There's also scorched earth. Scorched earth, salt of the earth. Salt of the earth is a good one. Sure. Um, yeah, that's about like common people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, I like I like your final additions to this one as wrapping up because I definitely. Um, <laughs> I love that you wrote it isn't rocket surgery um exclamation, exclamation point. point as uh, you know uh which which kind of encapsulates the two phrases uh this isn't brain surgery and it isn't rocket science um right. meaning to say that something's actually fairly simple comparative to those particular uh activities uh-huh. um I, I just love the image of rocket surgery and the fact that people will know as soon as you say it that that's a mixed idiom. Like, that's not right, is it? But by then you've already moved on. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so um, good. Tell me, yeah, tell me about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I also uh, included, um, uh, you know, I well, it isn't rocket surgery. I had to include because it's, pretty much like my favorite idiom and also i just love the absurdity of the imagery yes and what would this podcast be without feature creep and absurdity (laughs) (laughs) um there's a a slightly absurd um one that i included also which is the only idiom that i know in french for sure i love this one uh the only idiom that i know for sure in a foreign language period Um, and it's it's uh in english it refers to the spirit of the staircase which obviously people are like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, in French, l'esprit d'escalier is the spirit of the staircase translated. And it, um, it refers to the phenomenon or the experience of being in a situation where you want to come up with a like witty retort or a clever comeback and you just can't think of it in time. Um, and then you leave the situation and upon leaving it like hits you like a ton of bricks, what you should have said, but you can't go back and say it now because the moment has passed. And so the French refer to that as the spirit of the staircase, I think, because when you leave a party 
everything in Paris is a walk-up apartment building. Sure. And so you're using the staircase on the way out of the party at the point in time that you think of the thing that you should have said that you didn't say Right, like you're halfway down the steps and then you're like, oh, right. that would have been so much yes. funnier or better or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's my, there's my toe in the multilingual pond of idioms. I, I really like that one. It's really good. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. I can't think of, uh, I can't think of what we have that's an equivalent idiom for English in that term. Cause I know that that's something that, um, yeah. that's well known it to Americans and to, uh, you know, most, most English speakers because a lot of our comedy has moments like that where there's some, <laughs> you know, some character is like in a spat or in some, you know, and then, you know, three scenes later, there's like, a whole Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. there's like a whole a Seinfeld, Seinfeld about, it. about it. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty cool one. Um, yeah. Well, I had a blast doing this podcast with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be our last. Uh, that will be the last one we can we'll cover for this particular episode. But yeah, what a blast! I. Yeah. That idiom is bizarre to me in some ways. Um, <laughs> the the flower factory mill exploded today. It was a blast. <laughs> like where did the, in what context is something being a blast a good time? Well, I don't know. I mean, we set a lot of things on fire, so that's true. That's true. Yes, we've definitely uh, spent <laughs> spent a good portion of our adult lives um, participating in that particular activity. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I mean, you can understand. I mean, there's certain kinds of explosions that are quite enjoyable, like fireworks and and things blowing up that aren't yours and aren't hurting anybody else. Um, <laughs> you know. As long as nobody gets hurt and it's not my shit, blow up whatever you right. want. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So cool. All right. Well, do you do fun. you have a, a tip for living well in hell to wrap this one up? Mm. Yes, I do. So this one actually piggybacks off of work that somebody else did. Oh, great. Um, there's a there's an artist that I really like yeah. named Chad Walker, and yeah. he does um, like little line drawings in Microsoft Paint. Essentially, uh -huh. um, they're really cute. And he has one that is my favorite piece of his, um, and one of my favorite things ever in all of my whole life. Uh, the the there's a little drawing of a minotaur holding a baseball bat and also holding a cup of tea in the other hand. And he's sort of like standing in a little archway doorway. And it says, when you're at death's door, you can go quietly and have some tea. Or he also has a bat. So good. So good. And I really like that. And I try to like, I try to live accordingly. Like let's let, you don't always have to make things the hard way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that's a, that's definitely good advice for living well in hell. Mm -hmm. yeah, All right. You don't have to go the hard way. Don't take the bad. Yeah, don't take the bad. All right, everybody. Okay, yeah, thanks everybody, everybody for listening, and uh, we'll uh, wash your hands, wear your face mask when you go outside. Yeah, do do your best. We're we're all trying to do our best here. So, okay. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye.